Real people, real conversations over coffee. This is Meet Me for Coffee. It's Meet Me for Coffee this week with an awesome band uh, from the United States. They're called Outlier. How's it going, Joey? It's going well, man. How's it going with you? I'm doing awesome, dude. You got some great music. You got uh, the Buried Me Alive song um, up on your Spotify. It's also being played on SiriusXM as well, right? Yep. And uh, yeah, man, Octane is such a cool station. Uh, an awesome opportunity for you guys to get some breakthrough um, plays and more fans. And so how has that worked out for you? Uh, it's been great. Like you said, there's a lot, a lot of new fans. A lot of traffic came in from it. Um, we're just looking forward to strengthening that relationship with them and growing from there. Yeah, you know, SiriusXM has uh, quite the reach, especially if you're a rock fan like I am. Um, obviously, you know, Eddie Van Halen, he passed away yesterday of, obviously, with, with cancer and stuff like that. So um, how much has Van Halen influenced you? Uh, so I grew up on like everything 80s, um, but guitar is my forte. Um, so I started playing guitar at 11 and Eddie was, you know, uh, definitely one of the inspirations. Um, when every kid starts out playing guitar, you want to learn the finger tapping, you know, stuff that he like pretty much invented. So. Everybody's like, can you play Eruption? He's like, man, I just started playing guitar, dude. Like just come. I know. Um, but yeah, like, Van Halen has had such a big impact. I would say that, that the death of Eddie Van Halen is the equivalent of Jimi Hendrix dying in, um, in well, what, when he died in the seventies um, for us, because like he, he is such a trendsetter, all these bands, you know, I, I, one of the producers Templeton uh, went down to see him and he didn't know what he was getting into. He just realized a couple, you know, years later that these guys are changing rock and roll, you know, David Lee Roth, wasn't really, he's not really a singer. He just, it just, it meshes perfectly, right? He's a showman. And and Eddie's tapping and actually Eddie was originally going to be playing drums and then Alex was going to play guitar, but then they switched around, but the tapping, the methods and everything, he was always hiding and he was turning around, half his back to the crowd to the tapping and whatever. That was his, that was his thing. How he invented the tapping. So there's so much that we can go on with, with Van Halen. And it's such a sad, sad uh, couple days. Obviously 2020 is a freaking write off dude, but oh what, what, what are in the plans for outlier for 2020 so far? <laughs> Oh man. So we've just been writing a lot, getting ready for 2021 pretty much. Um, we do have a show, um, how, how, October 30th, it's going to be a Halloween show in Richmond, Virginia. Um, we're really excited. That's going to be our first and only show the whole year. So we're excited to do that. And, um, we got the next couple of releases lined up and we're booking for 2021 already. So that's amazing. about it. Like, and you'll have to come by my neck of the woods, man. I, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited to, to see you guys live. Uh, obviously YouTube is a very good uh, resource for, you know, musicians and, and people who are interested in the live music thing. So they can always go back or you can perform live uh, yeah. from your home or, or your jam space. Yeah. What kind of guitar do you play? Um, well, I have, I got a couple, I have a, a Telecaster. I have an EC 1000, um, I also have a baritone. I got a bunch of stuff. So I got a couple LTDs. I, I'm ready to buy a new Taylor acoustic. Actually, I almost bought one a couple of days ago, pulled the trigger on it, but yeah. You know what? It's so hard to, to walk out of a music store because you see these people who go in there and they just want to get rid of their stuff. And the, and the music store actually pays like a fifth of the price of what it's actually worth. So I actually, I actually got a, uh, music man, an American made music man, stingray, um, mm. for, what was it? 800 bucks. 
Canadian. Yeah. So it was a five string and everything. It was, uh, it was unreal. Uh, I know he, the guy also had like a, a mess of carbine head, um, you know, and he only wanted 700 bucks for it. So I almost lost that as well, but I picked up the Ampeg. So, um, yeah, it's very hard to leave the music store in general, or, you know, it's, 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 it's an addicting thing to buy guitars. You buy one, you buy two, you buy three, and all of a sudden your whole house is filled with it. And uh, while your wife or your girlfriend or, you know, your mom or your dad is like, what the fuck is going on here? All this, all this shit surrounding me and whatever, you know, all this, all those guitars, you're actually going to play all of them. Right. Um, right. But yeah, like there's so much um, different sounds, the Telecaster, the Contrast, the LTD. Uh, I love the Telecaster myself. I like the, uh, the Jag Stang. Um, I'm a bass player, by the way. And uh, I, like, I like the Fender Jazz basses over all of the other ones. I, I had a couple Ibanez's in the past and the Yamaha. They're great basses, don't get me wrong. But Fender for me, man, it has a low punch and it mixes with my effects properly. And, and it's awesome to perform with. You know, the, the whole, the whole, amplification thing where you had to carry a freaking stack up the stairs uh back yeah man it was the worst my back still hurts from my ampeg (laughs) um it's all changed right all these you don't even need that anymore uh what do you play do you have a kemper so we do have we are running the axe effects um i so i sing for outlier but i started off playing guitar but i bought like our live rig for the most part i did yeah. get an axe effects um like you said it cuts down on some of the load but we still like to run cabs for at least uh stage monitors for ourselves we like to feel that boom that rumble on stage um because we've done it once or twice without and where we just kill the monitors and we're relying on all digital stuff and it's not for me it's not the same man i need that wall of sound i need that heaviness i want to hear what the you know the fans are hearing so yeah you want to hear you know you want to feel it right not hear you want to yeah. feel it right and that, that's yep. that's a very big thing a lot of people say hey how come you don't wear earplugs on stage um well i do but in some places that are, it's actually mixed real well you know it, it's not really that loud on stage right um, right which is, which is absolutely amazing because all these bands, they're going out and they're playing massive festivals and there's a huge stage, huge sound being pumped out through the speakers and it's just not loud on stage at all. Uh, you just hear the drums, which is great, but you know, you do need that, that monitor and whichever way you have the in-ears or you want to hear, you know, directly if you're standing behind the, I stand in front of my bass amp all the time, right? Just so I can hear it and feel it because if I get kind of, at a track, you know, I, I, I completely fuck up everything and then everybody falls apart. So, um, thank God I don't play anymore. And well, that's history. Um, but yeah, like, you know, performing and stuff like that, you know, you sing, uh, do you have any, any training at all? I do now. Uh, when I first started, I did not. Um, but I do have some training. I, I have a couple teachers. Um, I went to somebody who was, uh, some classical training. And then I went to somebody who primarily was like an operatic singer. So it was amazing. I worked on a lot of breathing, being able to kind of break down how many breaths I would need to use in a song. So I don't have to breathe as much between like lines or anything like that too. So um, I do want to hop back into some lessons and go to a couple different other people though, um, just to, you know, continue conditioning. Yeah. Keep the variety going and, and learn more yeah. skills because sometimes sticking with the same person, it helps you, but it, you know, you got to just kind of, open up your horizons and, and go for it. it. You know, the vocal thing is incredible. You know, bands like Lamb of God, um, oh, yeah. all these bands that have been screaming and, and doing vocals, clean vocals. Um, 
one one of my favorite vocalists is uh, that Bjorn uh, Speed Strid from Soilwork, and that guy. Um, you see that guy live; he's very he's flawless, right? You know, same with uh, Howard Jones. Uh, oh yeah, but those guys can sing and they can scream. And and for those listening, there's a technique behind that, and yep. not hurting your throat. It's uh, it's completely different. You have to watch the art of screaming for that as well. Um, it's a it's an instructional video done by an actual instructor that teaches these people and, and rock stars how to sing. So have you guys any worked out any big tours coming up in 2021 that you could tell us about? Um, uh, kind of. Um, so, I mean, there's, there was a couple that were postponed from this year. Um, we're waiting to get a final word on the next ones or, uh, you know, to be postponed, you know, rescheduled for next year, I should say, but there's one we're going to be announcing in a couple of weeks here. I guess I could drop the bomb and just say, we're going to be going to Europe in May and we'll be going out there for a few weeks. And uh, I can't announce the bands yet, but we'll be announcing that soon. So that's amazing, man. How do people find your music? I know on Spotify, uh, bury me alive. There's two versions of it. I'm assuming the, the original version is the one you guys recorded by yourselves, right? Or no. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I recorded it. I recorded the first version in 2015. That was the first thing we had released. And then I re-recorded the song because I like, uh, like you were saying, you, you know, your voice and it's a whole different instrument and I wanted to hear myself grow. And I've definitely have like five years of, you know, uh, growth as a vocalist and I wanted to hear myself and I went and, you know, it was kind of like a test to yourself. And I just thought I could do it better, you know, just not just vocally, but instrumentally as well, make it tight. And so. you guys, you guys signed to a new, a new label or management group, uh, Zoid Entertainment. Uh, talk about those guys and how they've helped you. So uh, right now, um, we're, we're taking an unorthodox approach because the we've been shopping for a little bit and we've been really holding out for the right deal. Um, as you know, as a musician, the industry is completely fucked. It's been fucked for a while. And the, the late, you know, it's designed to fuck the artists as well. And uh, I love being blunt and raw about that. Cause a lot of people I feel don't understand that, but um, Zoid is, has been around for a while as a whole different um, idea, brand and business, but now turning it into a full fledged label, um, they are going to give us the, uh, we feel we're sitting on some, you know, we, we, we like the, we have some worth for the band and we want a label to treat us a little bit special. And I think that's what any band really wants, honestly. And, um, after things have been in talks for the past three months, we finally settled on, you know, uh, some, you know, moving on in the right direction. And so we'll see October 23rd if everything goes through, but I'm looking forward to it and they seem like great guys. So well, that's absolutely incredible. Congratulations. Well, in advance, um, and you're right. The whole music industry is designed to screw you right. over. Everybody wants right. to make money and, you know, being in your first band, you're selling tickets for people to come see you, but you get nothing out of it. You just get more stage time. And it's like, right. now I look back on it and everybody who said, you know, you want to um, do this for exposure. It's like, uh, you know what? Like I was pretty stupid back then. And now I realize it. It's a bit too late. So it's good that you're being upfront and honest about that because there's a lot of musicians out there that just, they just want to play. They don't care if they make money. Um, there, there, there was people uh, in my past that actually challenged me um, when I didn't want to give away, away my music for free. And that's because I, I pressed it. We pressed it all in, in a record format, um, in a CD, obviously. And uh, like, why don't you give this record out for free? I'm like, dude, we paid like 1200 bucks to print these you know, yeah. 
why am I giving them out? If you don't want to make money off your music, then you are very stupid. It's like, it's like uh, investing in stocks. You want those stocks to go up to make money, don't you? Right? Right. You want to make money because if it goes below what you paid for it, you're going to lose. Or it's, if it's going to stay the same, you're not going to be impressed, right? Right. And, and I think like the other thing too, is I, I try to help, you know, people understand that as well. You want longevity out of your artists. You want your artists to stick around. Everybody gets all boo-hoo when their favorite band breaks up. And some of the times other than just internal reasoning, a lot of it's because it's just so expensive to be an artist, to be a band. And what it costs to even cut a single is, is for us is not cheap because we put a lot of time and workings into it and we make sure the mix and master is right. Like we don't want to just release something to release something. And, um, you know, the, the writing process, yeah, clock was ticking. And then, like you said, you know, to do a record and to print it, if you do physical copies, is a whole nother expense in itself. So, you know, I, you know, I wish, and, you know, I get it. Like, you know, there's a, I don't know. Everybody, we're, we're living in fast times. Everybody wants it now, quicker, faster, what it is, cheaper, you know, all that, the cheaper model. But when it comes to art, you, you kind of, you should not do things like that, I feel. And, you know, I wish more artists had stepped up when Metallica had stepped up back in the day about Napster. And, um, you know, they, they tried to do that. They tried to stop everything that came after. And if it wasn't, if more artists had stepped up and backed that, I don't think we would have been in as deep as we are today. Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree with you. And, it, and, and to get an actual producer, a good, reputable producer oh, yeah. to a track, we're talking $5,000 um, minimum. Um, and then after that, you got to have a master. Maybe that producer doesn't master. He probably doesn't want to master because uh, mastering a track when you're producing the track or recording it, you never do that. You don't want to do that because you'll hear the same thing all the time. You want some fresh ears on there. So you got to right. send somebody else. And depending on how expensive that guy is, that adds more to it. And you got your album work or your single work. It's all about singles now. It's a singles game, man. And yeah. you guys are doing really well because you're on Sirius XM, Octane, and you know, what a great crew to be part of because you got, you got Stone Sour, you got all these big bands on that channel, man. And I, I feel that, that rock is getting even heavier now. And uh, you guys have quite the fit, dude. Thank you, man. Yeah, we're, we're trying to push the envelope, uh, still keep it rock and metal, but we definitely like to throw some surprises in there. Um, I grew up on old, like, new metal and grunge. I like artists that really took a chance and, uh, you know, threw, like, a lot of creativity in the mix, but still kept good songwriting at the same time. So I try to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, the fact that people are, you know, the fans that we do have, I, I really appreciate them. And the new ones we're getting, I, you know, um, I'm happy that they're going to take a chance on us. So that's huge. Absolutely, man. I, I'm really happy that you're really appreciative of your fans. There's a lot of bands out there that aren't. Um, and also there are bands out there that aren't appreciative to people who are helping them as well or trying to promote. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it all comes full circle. In the end, we're all working together. You know, I'm helping you by interviewing you and you know, you're listening to me and I'm helping you, you know, I'm promoting you. Right. So right. It, it all comes, everybody needs to work together now because the odds are against the bands. The odds are against, you know, the podcast, the odds are against in, in every industry. Everybody has a struggle to go through. And, and luckily for you, man, like you got an awesome platform, a great, uh, obviously a, a great management label group as well. Um, you know, the future is yours, man. You, you're, you are destined to do whatever you want. You can manifest whatever you want in life, man. Right there, man. Right there. And I've, I've really learned that, you know, this, this 
my my fans and listeners are gonna be like, "What the hell is this guy? He's going off spaghetti on on this man." Every every celebrity and a rock star and actor that that comes on this show says the exact same thing. And you know what? It's true because you have you got that tunnel vision going. You, you track that that thing that you want. You picture it. You manifest it. You make it happen. And that's how these people get in that place. And if you do that, you'll be in that place, man. And I really believe in this band, dude, like got some great tracks. Uh, I know I was into the, the new metal stuff. Like the, I saw corn. I was two years ago. Honestly, that was one of the fucking loudest concerts I ever heard in my life. And it was awesome. Like I wasn't really into all their stuff, but I was like, Holy crap. I went there for stone sour first off. And, Corn was was headlining, so it was like holy crap, that was awesome. And then, then I got to see Slipknot last year in the summertime, and by the time they got on stage, it was ten o'clock at night, and it was, it was like my grade eight dream, man. Like it was, it was just as good as I thought it was gonna be, uh, if not more. And you know, right. Five Finger Death Punch, I saw them. Hey, you know what? They're they're kind of flat, but. Um, but yes, Slipknot is the band, man. That is the band for me to, to you know, be like, hey, if I can see a system of a, of a down or mud vein in the next ten years, maybe that'd be great. But you know, Slipknot did it for me, man. And who are some of your 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 big influences? Um, so. Uh vocally and musically they're they're along the same lines a little different vocally i'll say like uh jonathan davis um so i definitely bring corn into that mix definitely Corey taylor um i would say also uh i throw some gavin rosdell in there yeah man um, you know i i love all that shit man uh james hetfield's definitely for vocals uh that's where i pull my grit uh things like that as far as music goes Pretty much all of those guys. I also, I love Prague and new metal or Prague and like gen stuff. So I'll bring in like uh, periphery, you know what I'm saying? Every now and then I like to make things interesting on the, you know, the, the music, you know, the end of music and then stuff like that. But um, I, I'm yeah. really up in trivium lately, man. Like, I don't know what it yeah. is. I was like, uh, you know, sometimes you're like, I, I hear this song in my head and I'm like, all right, I'll just go back and I'll listen to this record. I send a C album, man. That record is freaking perfect um, yeah. from the beginning to the end. And I can listen to it over and over and over again. Uh, there was a band from just up the road here in, in uh, up, up in Hamilton here, uh, just outside of Toronto. They were called Threat Signal. I don't know if you ever heard of those guys. Dude, I somebody yeah. was just talking about them like a month ago to me. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like when they came out. Uh, there was this record called Under Reprisal they had, and they went pretty big because the dude from Fear Factory, uh, Christian Ole Wolberts, produced them, and they were going mm. on tours like around the world, dude. Like, and the record was solid, man. Like, I couldn't even believe like how good it was. I could listen to it. It's like uh, there, are, there are there are records that come out, albums that come out that they stand the test of time, even if you listen yeah. to them now, man. Um, let's go back to concerts. Uh, which is the best concert you've ever been to. Like they, I know cause you could probably be like, you know, this concert, it, it made my day. Which one is the one concert that stands out for you in your, in your lifetime? I'm going to throw you a curveball. Ready? Yeah. Tony, Tony Bennett. Yeah. Okay. That's not a curveball. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. No, no. <laughs> so, uh, well, a lot of people don't normally expect that, but Tony Bennett was phenomenal. I saw him, um, I, I, shit, I don't know, man, maybe four, four, 
yeah, four years ago. Uh, my buddy was a is a big photographer in the upstate New York area. He got uh, he gets like passes to like shoot every big artist that came through. And he goes, you know, you're the only Italian I know, so uh, I feel like you would appreciate this. And I'm like, okay, you know. So I go there, and I'm like five rows up from Tony Bennett, and I'm definitely the only person under like 55. And uh, here I am, like just in awe by this performance because it was so perfectly orchestrated. It was insane. The band was phenomenal. Nobody's running in ears or anything like that. And he is pitch perfect at 88, man. And in between songs, this band would transition into the next song and he would start talking as he finished like the, the last line of a song. He would just start talking about his life and how Bob Hope had found him and that he had to uh, change his name because like Antonio de Benedetto like was not marketable and Italians were not liked back then. And so they had to like make him marketable and stuff. Dude, it was just the most amazing thing I'd ever seen like put into a performance. You know, that doesn't blow me away, man. Like that guy by that age should have his stuff down and he's He's only like, he's doing it at that age because he's damn good at it, man. Yeah, man. Just like Alice Cooper or like all these other uh, rock stars, you know, even Kiss, like, you know, I don't think those guys are going to get enough credit, but um, I know you and I are, you know, we have different, you know, we like different genres. I like, you know, fastball, Bush. um, Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's some great bands out there, man. And it's really a big privilege to speak with you, man. Um, how do people get your music? You guys have a website. They can order it in a tangible copy or. Yeah. So we're, um, our website's outlier.co, which, you know, dot company. Um, but yeah, we can, um, they could go there. Obviously we're all over other social medias, just at outlier. Really. Awesome, man. Well, finally the question we've all been waiting for is about coffee. How do you take your coffee, buddy? Black. Black. There we go. That's awesome. We're one in the same in that, man. Oh, yeah. Enjoy your night, man. Thank you so Thank much. You. Joey from Outlier, and Outlier is spelled O-V-T-L-I-E-R. You've heard of him on SiriusXM Octane, and now you've seen him on my show, Meet Me for Coffee. Like, subscribe, whatever you do, follow the show and share it. Um, Meet Me for Coffee. It's brought to you by Chatter365. You can check him out at chatter365.com. Take care. Thanks. Nice.